What do you do when you come face to face with the dead? This sort of experience of coming face to face with the dead, it can happen in almost any place in time, as many will attest to. But in that moment, in that second, or minutes, that may feel like hours, how do you react? How do you soak that in? What do you want to do at that time? Do you want to verify this to others, that this is actually happening? Or just try and create that connection that's there and soak in every every element of it that you can. Today on our program, we have two stories of people who come face to face with the dead, but in very different situations. One, a firefighter in the middle of an emergency coming face to face with something or someone, but who was it that they saw? And then a child that comes face to face with something. They're trying to express what it is, but they get shut down immediately. My mom, just ignore it. It'll all go away. A lot of moms have said to their children through the years, understandably, but what happens if you just can't ignore it? That's one of the questions that we ask today. Unreal Ghost Stories Online, EPP bonus episode number 400. 22. My name's Tony Bruski. Stay with us. Firefighters go through a lot, a lot of crazy things, not just from the aspect of fires, but uh, they're the ones that are called out quite frequently with paramedics and things of that nature. So along with a lot of police officers, they also see some of the worst of society in some of their craziest situations. But what about the crazy situation of being in the middle of doing your job, fighting a fire in the midst of it, and you encounter the dead? In that moment, do you assume it's the living because... You're trying to rescue people, get people out. Or do your better instincts kick in and you realize this is not a living person. But how do you know? That's what we hear about in our first story. Take a listen. I am a retired firefighter from a busy department somewhere along the Gulf Coast. The story I'm about to tell you took place about 15 years ago. At that time, I was a lieutenant assigned to an engine company. The shift started out normal enough. We had a variety of calls, fire alarms, car accidents, and EMS runs. Around 2 a.m., we were upstairs asleep in the bunk room. The house lights kicked on and the speaker and the ceiling squawked to life. Battalion 2, Engine 2, 5 and 7, Ladder 3, Rescue 1, Respond to Box 1277. 
Box alarm assignment, house fire. I was out of bed and sliding down the pole to the apparatus bay before the dispatcher even finished talking. I threw my gear on and hopped into the cab of the truck. We were the first due engine assigned to the box, which meant that we would be the first on the scene. As we pulled out of the station, I reached for the radio microphone to say that we were en route. Before I could key the mic, dispatch said, Fire alarm to companies responding to Box 1277. We have a report of a, tra- a child trapped inside the residence. Now, usually when firefighters catch a working fire, our adrenaline kicks into high gear. When you find out that there are trapped occupants, particularly a child, it hits an even higher gear. The location of the call was only 10 blocks away from the station, so I knew we would be there quickly. As we pulled up in front of the house, I yelled at my two firefighters to go ahead and stretch a line to the front door. My EO, the dump pump operator, got ready to pump when we needed him to. I jumped out of the cab and prepared to do an initial 360 of the residence to note the layout, utility connections, etc. When I got out of the cab, I could see a young couple standing in the front yard. They told me that their four-year-old was still inside. Flames were showing from the front and one side of the house. The house didn't have a fence, so I ran around the backyard to not only do my usual 360, but also to see about access from the rear of the house so we could go in and try to find the child. The back door was open. Thick smoke was rolling out of the door down around the foot of the ground and I realized that the survivability factor for someone inside with no protective clothing was pretty much non-existent. We had to try. As when I looked over my shoulder, standing about 15 feet away in the middle of the backyard was a child dressed in pajamas. I scooped the kid up and my arms ran back around the front yard where the parents were. I passed the kid off and told them to go ahead and go across the street so that they would be out of the way. They began to profusely thank me for rescuing their child. as already headed back to the rear of the house to make an attack on the fire, so I didn't have time to tell them that I found the child in the yard. Once the fire was out, I was curious as to how the child had made it out of the house, given that he had no burns on him and no soot under his nose to indicate he had breathed in any smoke. The parents and child were in the driveway across the street, so I headed over to them and to talk. As I approached, the mother again began to thank me, but I told her that I had found the child in the yard. The mother said that when they woke up and realized there was a fire, the location that it was burning prevented them from getting to the child's room. Having been inside and seen the fire and the aftermath, I could tell that she was telling the truth. However, not only was the fire blocking the parents' access to the child, but it was also in between the child's room and the back door. Not to mention the front door. This would probably make more sense if I could draw a map of the house, but anyway, there was no way that the child should have been able to reach the back door. At this point, the father looked at the child and asked, How did you get out of this house? The child immediately said, 
grandpa carried me. Looking at the mother, I asked, it's just y'all that live here, right? Mother said yes and continued on to say that both her father and her husband's father were dead and had died before the child was born. And that's where we're going to pause this week's EPP bonus episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you want to hear the entire thing, along with all 422 bonus episodes exclusively for EPP, extra podcast people, as we call them, supporters of our show, then sign up at ghostpodcast.com or through Patreon. The link to Patreon is there at ghostpodcast.com, or you can sign up directly through the website and get the content. Same thing, both places, whatever you prefer. Patreon app, just search Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, in the, all of the rest of the show, we're going to finish up this one and really dig deeper into what happened at that fire. And then just ignore it and it'll all go away. That's what a lot of moms have said to their children through the years. But what happens if you just can't ignore it? That's rest of this episode alone, plus 422 others. And on top of that, literally thousands upon thousands, it's the world's largest audio archive of ghost stories. Thousands of episodes that have fallen off of iTunes and every place else. They're all there for you. It's all commercial free. All of our brand new episodes will get released to you before the public. And again, no ads. Five bucks a month to get all of it. If you like ghost stories, this is the place to be. Ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Get yourself hooked up and enjoy the hell out of October with those ghost stories. Ghostpodcast.com.